Welcome to the Hidden Acres Podcast. Today, we're releasing all the messages from our Sportsman's Retreat chapels. Sportsman's Retreat was March 25th through the 28th, and it was a good time. It was a great time. You'll hear more about it in our April update that should be released next week. Stay tuned. This message is from session one of the traditional chapel, and it was preached on Friday evening by Terry Baxter. Feel free to share these messages with people you think could benefit from them. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode of the Hidden Acres podcast. Please enjoy this message from Terry Baxter. You can turn me down just a little bit. You know what? I got my hearing aids in. Sounds like I'm speaking to myself, so pull those out. You can tell you're getting older when you got to wear hearing aids, reading glasses, and you need a cane to get around and all that kind of stuff. I probably told you this because uh, this happened uh, since I was down in Peru last, but about three years ago I was down there. I got uh, two daughters that are missionaries in Peru, South America. And uh, one of my granddaughters was about eight years old at that time, and I was sitting on the couch having my devotions one morning. And uh, I noticed she just kind of came up, sitting in the chair, and she was just kind of watching me. All of a sudden she looked and she said, Grandpa, what do you have those glasses for? I said, well, you know what? I'm getting a little older. My eyes don't work the way they used to, so I need a little help reading. And she looked, she said, what's that you got in your ears? I said, well, those are hearing aids. They, I don't hear quite as good as I used to. I need a little help, so I've got hearing aids. So she looked right at my face. She said, well, Grandpa, you don't have anything in your mouth. It must work fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, your mouth is still working good, right? Oh, praise the Lord. You know, uh, we're going to start with prayer here in just a moment, but uh, I'm going to just share a little bit before we pray and get into the message. Some of you know that I'm in the legislature in Iowa, and uh, I'm not going to talk about anything political. Just a lot of good things have happened in Iowa the past year. We passed a lot of things, but I've been in for seven years now. I just won my fourth election, so uh, two years each term. One of the things I've been praying for, I'm not political. I'm really not. I'm just a man that loves Jesus and believes that we need Christians to serve in public office, and we need to be salt and light and bear the fruit of the Spirit, and we've got to be there to share Jesus. And over this period of time, I've been praying that God will raise up some more godly people to come in. You know, it's easy to get discouraged right now because all we're hearing is bad news from the political front. Let me share some good news. Okay, I want to share some of the other part of the story with you. But just praying, you know, I don't know how long God's going to have me in there and saying, Lord, just raise up some people to pick up the mantle. When I stepped in down there, there were a number of Christians that were kind of passive and, you know, not really stepping out. And uh, I became a bit of a catalyst for them to come out of the uh, backdrop a little bit and get a little bit bolder for Christ and loving Jesus. And every year, God's brought in more Christians. You know, we just had election. I don't know how many of you knew that. Anybody here know that we had an election? Uh, every time we have an election, we have a freshman class that comes in. This year, we had about 12 godly born-again Christians that came into the freshman class. Just in the Iowa House. And they love Jesus. And, and in the Senate. We've got some in the Senate. I want to tell just a couple stories of what God's doing. One of them, his name is Andy Andrews. And uh, Andy, uh, Eddie Andrews, Eddie is a, a black guy serving as a pastor in a Hispanic church. And Eddie went into a restaurant 
And he was sitting there, and this guy come walking in through the door, sat down next to him in the restaurant booth and said, uh, Eddie, I uh, just want you to know you're supposed to run for office, da-da-da-da-da. And just got up and walked out. Eddie said, I got up and I walked out of the restaurant, and I looked, and there's no one out there. So I said, okay, I'll run for office, and he won. <laughs> and he loves Jesus. Another gal that's a member of a, uh, Assemblies of God Church ran and unseated one of the most popular Democrats. Just out of nowhere. She just loves Jesus. We had an event back about two and a half weeks ago. We got out a little bit early and someone that owns an airport uh, holiday inn down by the airport in Des Moines. Christian couple, they've just uh, have just served God in some great ways. And they said, come on down. We'll just open up one of our conference rooms. You guys can just all fellowship and have fun. Went down there. We had a little pizza fun and whatnot. And we started talking. A lot of these were new legislators, some were existing ones. We closed with 45 minutes of intercessory prayer. Legislators praying over our state. We have intercessory prayer meetings going every Tuesday. We still have the Bible study that meets every Thursday morning. I haven't been attending. My wife's my clerk this year, so they've got it just for legislators. She's not able to come, so I didn't want to leave her home, go get her and that kind of thing. I want you to keep this coming Thursday in mind. And keep it in prayer. Every year on Monday, Thursday, we have what's called the Governor's Prayer Breakfast in Iowa. This is the 60th year. We bring people in to do some singing, then we bring a speaker. In the last several years, it's been an evangelistic speaker that shares the gospel. This year, I'm the chairman of the prayer breakfast. We're bringing in a Navy SEAL, former Navy SEAL that loves Jesus. He's going to be sharing the gospel. Ambassador Terry Branstad, former governor, and his wife are going to be there. Governor Reynolds and her husband are going to be there, lieutenant governor. Uh, a number of other people, Randy Feimster is coming in. Uh, I'll be sitting with all of them during that breakfast, and uh, the gospel is going to be shared. Our governor is a Christian. I've heard her testimony. Terry Branstad has accepted the Lord when he was in college, but uh, just pray that God would work. Some of the movers and shakers in Iowa are going to be there. It's going to be a little different this year. We're not having a breakfast because of COVID. They're a little bit concerned about that down in Des Moines. It's going to be kind of a sit-down thing like this, but it's going to be a, a neat event. I share that because God is at work. Never underestimate that God is at work. Sometimes we just get the news from the media and we think, oh, everything's falling apart. God's in control. We've seen more people accept Jesus the last five weeks than any five-week stretch uh, prior to that. It's just unbelievable, people coming to Christ. It's just really exciting. So I I just want you to know that God's at work. God's doing good things. And God's going to do good things this weekend. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to speak to each one of you. And we're just going to ask him to do that. Let's bow in prayer. Lord, I come before you here this evening and I I just lift this time up and I lift this group up and I'm asking in Jesus name that your Holy Spirit would work and Lord that you'd take the word of God and turn it into the sword of the spirit and Lord that your Holy Spirit would just open our eyes to behold some precious and wonderful things and Lord that you would uh, just minister I pray for those who don't know you as their savior that you would draw them to yourself for those who are Christians and struggling Lord that you'd give them some great encouragement and insight from your word Lord I'm just asking that this weekend would be a weekend among all weekends in our life. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. We're just, we just come here because we want to hear from you in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Some of you know I'm walking a little, little gingerly up here. I just want to share with you, I had knee surgery. Uh, I had knee replacement the last day of November. And six weeks later, we started the legislature. I went down there, I was walking up downstairs, doing good, walked home and fell down the stairs. <laughs> and I bent that knee up, pulled all the muscles and whatnot. So I'm about 11 weeks from it. I'm not quite as good as I was when I had surgery. April 19th, I get this one replaced. There's no cartilage left. So I'm in a little pain. If I sit down, you just forgive me. So what are you going to speak on this weekend? I was praying about that, and I said, Lord, um, just open up something unique. And uh, I, I go through a lot of scripture. I just love Jesus. I love going through the Bible. Those of you who follow the morning devotional post, we're just wrapping up First and Second Corinthians. In fact, uh, I put a little uh, final wrap on that this morning, and we're going to be moving forward with some other things. As I was going through the Gospel of Luke recently, I was thinking, you know, how did you work through Luke? Now, keep in mind who Luke was. Luke was a historian. In fact, when he wrote the book of Acts, he says that he went out and sought all these things, put all these stories together about what Jesus did. He did the same thing with the Gospel of Luke. So what Luke did, he wasn't one of the disciples. He was a historian. He gathered these stories and as I was going through the Gospel of Luke, I discovered, wow. Luke recorded four amazing stories that Jesus told. And they're stories that just stand out. And as I started going through those stories, I was thinking, Lord, why did you tell those stories? What is it that's so unique? Why did you tell them in the order that you did? What I want to do this weekend, I want to walk through those four stories that Jesus told in the Gospel of Luke. They're amazing. Now, the first Jesus told, and I hope you have your Bibles here with you, is, is found in the Gospel of Luke chapter 8. Now, some of Luke is original. About 58% of the Gospel of Luke is original to Luke. Some that overlaps with the other Gospels. This story happens to overlap really well with the Gospel of Mark. So we're going to start in Luke, and then I'm going to finish this story from the Gospel of Mark. This first story is simply called the parable of the sower. The story of the sower. And, and it's interesting because this was the first story early on that Jesus really told his disciples. Now I want to say this. I believe Jesus picked this story first because every man, every woman... Every Christian is going to walk through this story. Your life will go through this story. In fact, the law of the sower is everywhere. One of the things the law of the sower says in the book of Galatians is if you sow to the flesh, you'll reap to the, from the flesh. Sow to the Spirit, you'll reap from the Spirit. What you sow, you reap. The story of the sower is amazing. There's a law out there. But Jesus gives a different spin here. And let's start in the Gospel of Luke, and then we'll pick up by going over to Mark. And as we pick up in verse 4 of chapter 8, it says, And when a great multitude were coming together, and those from the various cities, they were journeying to him, he spoke to them in a parable. And uh, as he's speaking to them, he says, The sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some seed fell beside the road, and it was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air came down and ate it up. That's got to be discouraging. You know, here we are in Iowa. I happen to sit on the agriculture committee for Iowa. That's kind of cool down at the Capitol. Farming is kind of uh, important to the state of Iowa. It's 
our number one industry in the state of Iowa. But when you back up in the days of Jesus, they didn't have John Deere's. Can you believe that? No cases, no caterpillars. They'd take their bag of seed, they'd go out and they'd start sowing. And their seed was valuable. And as he sowed, wouldn't you know, the wind caught it and some of the seed fell beside the road. It fell by the pathway where the people were walking. It was hard packed. And lo and behold, the birds came and they devoured it. That's got to be sad. Well, the story says the sower was very smart. Instead of chasing birds, (laughs) he kept on sowing. And it says, and other seed fell on the rocky places, and soon it grew up and withered away because it had no moisture. Now, Mark is going to say the sun beat down on it. It, it, it fell among the rocks. It, 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 it took off quickly, but died really fast. And then he goes on, and other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it, and, and, and they choked it out. I, I think he's talking centuries into the future, and he saw my garden. <laughs> We planted one of those last year, and the thorns kind of got it. Okay, it happens. But he kept on sowing. And then it says, and others fell on the good ground. And when it grew up, it produced a crop. A hundred times is great. You say, Terry, what's so significant about that story? Well, what's unique about that story is Jesus isn't done with it yet, because the multitudes go away and the disciples come back to him. They say, Lord, uh, why are you speaking to us in parables? He says, well, that's the way it is, but let me, let me tell you what the story means. And this is when it gets really interesting. This is Jesus giving maybe his picture of the Christian life, maybe his, Christi- his picture of life in general. And this is what he says back, and I'm going to Mark now, and I'm picking up. Mark chapter 4, verse 13. And he said to them, Do you not understand the parable? And how will you understand all parables? Now watch this, verse 14. The sower sows the word. Oh, a little different now. He's talking about God's word going out. I believe in every one of your lives, in my life and your life, the Holy Spirit is reaching out to you and he's trying to sow God's word. Sometimes it's when a pastor is preaching. Sometimes it's when a teacher is teaching. Sometimes it's when you flip on the radio and you catch a message on the radio. Other times it might be when you're sitting down and you're reading your own Bible. And the word's going out. And listen to what it says. The sower sows the word. But it's got a problem. And these are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown. And when they hear, watch this, immediately Satan comes and snatches away what's been sown in the heart. Friends, I want to say this. There are going to be three enemies that you and I must face. Enemy number one is Satan himself. I will guarantee you that Satan is at work in your life trying to prevent you from becoming the man God wants you to be. He's going to try to take God's word and just twist it, distort it, take it out of your life, do anything he can to prevent it from growing. 
The Bible says, be sober, be vigilant. The adversary of the devil as a roaring lion. He walks about seeking someone to devour. Immediately Satan comes. Now, I've got to admit, I, I love hearing good preaching. There's times I'm sitting in church and I'm listening to a pastor wax eloquent, and all of a sudden I'm thinking of my deer hunting trip. Oh, I'm thinking of something else. Immediately. It's amazing how quickly Satan will work to prevent God's word in that area, whatever the subject matter is, from coming to maturity in your life. It might be the gospel. There might be some of you sitting here tonight, you've heard the gospel several times over your life, but you've never responded, you've never trusted in Jesus. You go to church, maybe to please your wife, someone else, you're religious but lost. Because immediately Satan snatches it away. It could be in the area of moral purity, it could be in the area of finances, it could be in the area of marriage, it could be so many different areas. Immediately. This book is incredible. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Let me tell you what I've learned. I've been a Christian since 1973. I quickly tried doing the math over there and realized I'm not a mathematician. It's almost 50 years. It's closing in on about 48 years. I've discovered over the years that there's been a lot of areas that the Holy Spirit started opening up God's word in and immediately Satan came and stripped it away. Men, be courageous enough to ask God, what are you speaking to me about? What's the next plateau? What's the next theme in my life? God, what are you trying to teach me? I don't want to lose it. I don't want to miss it. God, when your word is sown, I want it to produce that crop. And if it means I need to do it, I'm going to resist the evil one in faith that he might flee from me. There are times you just have to do combat with the evil one. I just want to say this. Satan's not for you. He's against you. And he's there in each one of our lives as the preventer to stop us from being what God wants us to be. I personally believe that the enemies increase as this goes along. They get more and more difficult. Satan is tough, but you know what? There are enemies worse than Satan. How can anyone be worse than that? Well, let's go on. Let's go on. As we go back to Mark chapter 4, verse 16, in a similar way, these are the ones whom the seed was sown in the rocky places, And when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And when they have no firm root in themselves, but are only temporary, then when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately they fall away. What is the enemy? Think about it. The enemy here is other people. It's other people who come along, who ridicule, who put you down, who call you names. They might just challenge you saying, you don't believe that, do you? You're not really a Christian, are you? You don't believe that creation stuff, do you? Do you really believe the earth is only 6,000 years old? Man, they just lay it on thick and heavy. Affliction or persecution arises because of the word. Other people. 
You know, I love the book of Proverbs. I, I love going through Proverbs. Over and over again, Proverbs warns the young sons, my son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. If they say to you, da-da-da-da-da, and then they begin to ridicule you and put you down, just walk away from them. Psalm chapter 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And his law shall he meditate both day and night. He's going to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit and its seeds, and whatever he does shall prosper. You see, the bottom line is other people to prevent you from becoming what God wants you to be. Now, today we call it other things. We might call it peer pressure. A lot of things. I, I just want to say this. Don't let other people get between you and Jesus. Don't let the pressure of the world, the trends of the world, the opinion polls. Okay, I'll say it. The politicians. They don't like politicians. I love them. <laughs> to share Jesus with them. But some of them have some hang-ups. The news media today. Social media, whatever it is, school curriculum, gender identity, LGBTQ, T, uh, Black Lives Matter. <sighs> this whole area we're in right now with the remaking of culture, other people. You know, the bottom line is. You're going to have other people challenging your Christian life. You're going to have people that are going to push you, press you, laugh at you, mock you, and sometimes even persecute you because you stand for Jesus. Just be prepared for the fact that not everybody's going to like the fact that you're a Christian trying to walk with Jesus. I had to learn that very early on in my Christian life. I accepted Jesus, became pretty visible about it, Started carrying a Bible to school. My former friends grabbed my Bible, spit in it, threw it on the floor. They started teasing me. Went out after school. I had four flat tires on my car because they knifed every one of them. The guy that was my closest friend gave me the worst time. My first year in Bible college, I got a letter for him. He said, Terry, I'm sorry I pushed you so hard, but praise God that's all changed to become a Christian. Thank you for being consistent for Jesus. It was three years of him just giving me all kinds of trouble. Other people, they've got the right to turn the heat up to see if you're real, to see if Jesus is real in your life, to see what you're made out of. Sometimes they put the heat on just to see what you're really all about. That's okay. I've got some people down at the legislature that... Um, Early on, we're a little concerned about me. <laughs> I have one colleague, a, a dear guy that I've grown to appreciate a great deal. I didn't know that the year before I came, there was another Christian that had been there for four years, and here's one of these turn or burn in your face, you know, kind of out there, you know, Christian better than everybody. And all of a sudden, I came in, and I'm a pastor. He said, Terry, I didn't like you for the first year. I sat back and watched and waited, and then he said, you know what, Terry, you're the real thing. He said, I like you. That wasn't too bad. Big step forward. 
we had a gal that uh, had been part of the caucus staff for the Democrat Party. And uh, she joined the lobby, so now she was a lobbyist. Then she decided to get married. And we can have weddings in the House of Representatives. They, that's a people's house. Senate never worked. I can't even sit in my senator's chair. Can you believe that? They can come sit in my chair anytime he wants. They can come up front and get pictures. I can't go get, I'm even, I, I'm, something's wrong. So she has a wedding in the Iowa House of Representatives, and up front we have pictures. Former president and the sitting president. On the front, guess who the president was at that time? You ever heard of a name, guy by the name of Donald Trump? Here's Trump's picture right up there. She's got her wedding party. She wants to get a picture. Her wedding's in the House of Representatives. So guess what she does? What? She takes the picture down. Gets her wedding pictures, puts them all over Facebook. We get back in session, and it spreads to the Republican caucus like wildfire, and they're after blood. I mean, they were about ready to crucify this gal. So I'm sitting at my desk. I get a little pink slip sent in, which they sent in when they want to talk to a legislator to walk out, and I walked out, and she says, she says I'm the one that sent that in. So I recognize, yeah, okay, what's happening? She says, I suppose you know what this is about. I said, well, actually, I don't. What it's about? She said, you know the one that had the wedding in there It took Donald Trump's picture down? Oh, yeah, I heard something about that. She said, well, that's me. I'm just... Part of my punishment is I've got to call every Republican out and apologize to him. I looked at her and I said, you know, you probably shouldn't have done that. But do you mind if I ask you a personal question? She said, yeah, what's that? How's the wedding going? How's the marriage? Is there anything I can pray for you about? She looked at me and tears started coming down her eyes. She said, you mean you're more concerned about me than a mistake I made? I said, yeah, Jesus loves you. I prayed for her. She was crying. I didn't have a chance to witness to her. Last year was COVID. Anybody know last year was COVID? Anybody know that? <coughs> Let me tell you how God works. We had to suspend our session. We went out, and we were out for seven weeks. We came back for two weeks to wrap it up. And uh, during those two weeks, I passed her in the rotunda, and she called me over. She said, Terry, she said, I want you to know something. My husband and I read your Facebook devotional post every day, and God's changed our life. Sometimes... People who don't really like what you stand for, God will set them up as an opportunity to receive a witness from you. As you display that agape love and your salt and your light, sometimes other people that put the pressure on are really hungry for what you've got. They're searching, they're seeking. But be prepared for other people. Some people are just going to give you a hard time. Jesus has given this to his disciples very early on, and then he says, oh, by the way, there's a third 
kind of soil. Verses 18 and 19. And others are the ones who, when the seed was sown among the thorns, they're the ones who have heard the word and the worries of the world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Enemy number one is Satan, immediately comes. Enemy number two is other people. Who or what is enemy number three? What? Things? No, not exactly. You got it. Me. Self. I want to tell you something after about 48 years of walking with Jesus. The worst enemy I've had to deal with is right here. It's me. And I want to tell you that the worst enemy you're going to deal with is yourself. And Jesus was telling his disciples, I want you to know, the worries of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things, all kinds of distractions are going to come along, and they're just going to choke it out. There's so much today that competes with Jesus. It's everywhere. Everywhere. Man, I just want to tell you, you're the one that has to set the priorities in your life. You've got to come to the point of establishing what is Jesus worth to you? You know, God wants us to enjoy some things. There's some beautiful scriptures that talk about that. Many of the things that I surrendered over to the Lord when I accepted Jesus, he gave back to me and have become fruitful. One of the things I did, believe it or not, I grew up with a shotgun in one hand, a fishing rod in the other hand, and a trap in the foot. And man, I'll tell you what, I was outdoors man number one. Except the Lord, and I decided, man, i got to give all that up for Jesus. It wasn't too hard when I went to Bible college at Moody Bible Institute in the heart of Chicago because there weren't many deer to shoot, not any fish to catch. Trapping wasn't available for so about four years. I did really good, got married got out to a country church and started looking around. There are no men to be reached because they're all out hunting and fishing. <laughs> so being the young, godly husband, I bought my wife a shotgun for her birthday. <laughs> that went over like number four birdshot, I'll tell you what. But all of a sudden, we started getting into that, and she started realizing that men started accepting Jesus. This whole sportsman's retreat here that's been going on for 30 years is all a part of turning over to Jesus something that was my God and him giving it back as a ministry. Not only here, but many retreats around the country and many different places. Sometimes a gift, ability, hobby, talent, or interest God's going to say, will you put it on the altar for me and let me give it back when the timing's right. But don't make it your God. Don't make it your God. We've seen hundreds of men and women come to Christ through some of those things. But don't let anything squeeze your love for Jesus out of you. 
Now I want to share with you something beautiful. There's a fourth kind of soil. Whenever God's word is sown, you've got to get past Satan's efforts to minimize it. You've got to get past other people. You've got to get past yourself. But then listen to this. There's good soil. This is what is so profound. And these are the ones whom the seed is sown on the good soil. When they hear the word, accept it and bear fruit. 30, 60, and 100-fold. Let me share something with you. I told you I'm not a mathematician. I'm not. Let me tell you how I used to read that. I used to read that a 30% increase, a 60% increase, or a 100% increase. That's pretty good. Until I was reading a little slower one day, and I looked at it and said, 30-fold. Do you know what 30-fold is? What is one-fold? That's 100%. That means you got one, now you got two. Two-fold is you've got one, now you've got three. That's as far as my math will go, guys. A hundred-fold is a hundred times as much. This is talking about life potential. This is talking about what God can do through the life of any man, woman, teenager, or child that's fully and wholly consecrated to him. He'll take what seems like nothing and he'll multiply it to the point that'll stagger the imaginations of people. Beyond anything imaginable. You and I have no idea what God wants to do in and through our lives. If we'll just... Give it to him and get past the challenges and just seek him. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is John 10.10. Jesus is in that text dealing with himself as a good shepherd and he says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Immediately the birds come. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. More, more, more. Now, can I share a little secret with you? Will you still love me? I hope you do. It's been 30 years for some of you. You might be able to realize Jesus working. About the last nine months, we've been attending a Pentecostal church. Okay, don't walk out. It's a Bible-believing, preaching, on-fire, good, solid church. And I'm starting to understand the Holy Spirit in some, some precious ways. So meanwhile, about four months after we started attending this church, I'm preaching at an evangelical free church, that's pretty cool, up in Minnesota get done preaching, ministering on Psalm 23, the 18 promises found in Psalm 23. And afterward, this guy comes walking about halfway up the aisle, and he goes back. Now, keep in mind, my knees were pretty broken at that period of time. I mean, I, I was dancing with pain and whatnot. I was walking with a cane. He comes walking. Service is over. He comes walking at me, turns and walks back down. 
And he comes walking up, and he stands next to me, and he starts going like this. I what's wrong with this guy? And finally I said, do you want to talk to me? He said, well, I don't know if, I don't know if you can handle this. So okay, well, uh, let me try. He said, the Holy Spirit gave me a word for you. I don't know what it means. He said, do you believe God can give you a word from someone else? I said, well, let's hear it. He said, here's the word. More. He said, that's it, I don't know what it means. More. So I went home. I'm praying say, God, what does that mean? More. The next Sunday, I was attending back at the Open Bible Church, and I shared that story, and I said, I believe God has something for this church. It's the same word, more. Coming out of COVID, everything's closed down. More. More. More abundantly. More in your walk with God. More open doors in ministry. More fruitfulness. More depth in your marriage and your family. More. That's a beautiful, you know, God wants you to have more and it's based in your relationship with him. How much more? I don't know, maybe 30, 60, and 100 fold. That's more. That's a lot more. Guys, don't settle for mediocrity. Don't settle for the enemy called average. Don't be what everybody else is. Be who Jesus wants you to be. Okay? That's what this is all about. That's what Jesus was telling his disciples. Some were fishermen. Some were tax gatherers. He says, you know what? You're going to have some tough times. You've got to get past the enemy. You've got to get past some people that are going to try to stop you. You've got to get past yourself. But when you do that, there's more than you've ever dreamed in your walk with God. You want more? You want more in your life? It's found in your walk with Jesus. It's found in your relationship with Him. It's found by spending time in His Word. It's found by meeting Him in the prayer closet. It's found by making Jesus Lord of every area of your life. There's more. So much more. Guys, I just want to call you to more. Because Jesus was calling his disciples to more. It's so easy to get hung up right now with all the stuff in Washington, Nancy Pelosi. Who cares? I don't have time for all that stuff. Because I found something more. You say, Terry, do you know what's going on in Washington? No, I don't. I'm so busy in Iowa, I could care less. But you know why I'm in the legislature? We're passing some good legislation. It's to touch lives. It's to reach people that otherwise I'd never reach. It's to become friends with governors and world dignitaries from other countries. And what God is doing is so much more than I ever dreamed. does he want to do in your life? What kind of ground are you on tonight? I'm honest. What, are you battling with the enemy because there's some things Satan is trying to suck out of your life and steal from you? The Bible says resist the devil, he'll flee from you.
Stand firm in your faith. Mop it up and move on. Are there people trying to pull you away? Ridiculing, laughing, giving you second thoughts? Let them go. Move on. Have you become your own worst enemy? Crucify the flesh. Persevere and push on to Jesus. Go for the 30, 60, and 100 fold. You can't do that yourself. That's the overflow of the Spirit of God in your life. That's what it is, guys. Now, this is just the first story that Jesus told. I can just imagine the disciples early in following Jesus when he dropped this one on them. It's like, whoa. Here's Peter, the fisherman. <laughs> I mean, there's more than fish? Yeah. You have no idea how abundant Peter came by the end of his life when he was heading up the church in Jerusalem and overseeing the ministry going everywhere. From a fisherman, uneducated, but he had been with Jesus. More. Let's bow our heads in prayer.